Hello, and welcome to Enter the Fold, a Shadow and Bone podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host who has read the books. And I am Andy Kay, your host who has not read any of the books except for the first one. And you have now finished season two. I have finished season two. Um, I couldn't stop after. I mean, how do you stop watching after episode four? And then you get to episode five and then like it's impossible. You cannot stop at that point. So you did go through them pretty quickly after this. I absolutely did. I finished it in two days. Yeah, it was two days. So I'm going to try and talk about things um, from the perspective of when I watched them the first time and, and have those memories and feelings come back out. But I have seen the rest of it. So I know what's going to happen. I was going to say we we may as well compare with the rest of the season as we go. If if it comes up, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think we need to not bring up the rest of the season. Well, I don't I was going to say, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't watched it. But I doubt there's anybody who's listening to our podcast who's waiting every week. Right. Like they dropped all eight episodes at one time. Everybody's seen them. So we probably can go ahead and talk about it as a whole. All right. Let's get into things. Episode four, Every Monstrous Thing, written by Shelley Meals and directed by Laura Belzy. Same person who directed last week, right? Yes. Now, I wrote down the quote from the books from where this uh, title comes from. Do you have a guess on who says this? Uh, When everyone knows you're a monster, you needn't waste time doing every monstrous thing. I'm going to go with Bagra. Interesting. Do you want me to tell you who it is? Sure. It's Kaz. Oh, yeah, no, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Okay. Let's jump in. Uh, The title card starts out beautiful, but then it goes creepy. I 100% wrote down nothing about the title card this week. (laughs) It's a flag, so I guess it's supposed to be like the Lansoff flag, right? Oh, yes. We talked about Alina coming into the the double eagles. Yeah. Yes. Um, but then it gets slashed through, like the Nietzsche Voya start coming around it, and then they slash it, and it gets kind of creepy, and the music is creepy, and all of that stuff. So probably bad things are going to happen in this episode. Probably. Uh, and then we get to a fancy dinner, and Vasily can k- kiss my lily white ass. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to go back and check, because I meant to, but is this... I feel like this is the scene where the queen refers to Nikolai as Sapachka, which she would never do in the books. Like, very specifically, she would never do. And I don't know why they changed that. Like, she could have just said Nikolai. I, it's, that's a weird choice to me. What, is, what does that mean? It means puppy. And, <laughs> and that is like a, a nickname that he has from the citizenry, citizen, the, the citizens of Ravka. They call him puppy? They call him, yeah, Sapachka. Um, But his mom, knowing that he is illegitimate, would never call him that. Right. Okay. And doesn't like that he has that nickname. I wouldn't have caught it if she did. No. Who would? Why would you? Oh, you would. Well, right. Even some book readers probably don't even give a shit. I'm sure I'm, it's not that big a deal. It's just... I don't know. It was just a weird choice to me to have her say it when such a point is made in the books of her never using it. Yeah. She can kind of kiss my ass, too. The number of times in this episode that she tries to get uh, Nikolai to change his mind about Alina. Yeah, she's not great. She's not great at all. Um, 
The, but speaking of elite, oh, no, go ahead. Sorry, this is this meal, I guess, is also where, I don't know, Vasily says something crappy about Grisha. And mm-hmm. then Alina says, we're all Ravkin here. And that just reminded me that they've cut out all the racism that they put in season one. Oh, they did. Yes. And I, they got a lot of flack about all that. So, but they they also went nowhere with it. Like, it just, I don't know. It just disappeared. It just disappeared. It's interesting. That's all. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I love Alina standing up for the Grisha here. Like, she is not shy. Like, do you remember in the beginning of season one, she was so timid about things? Mm-hmm. And in this episode, she's just like, no, I know my purpose. I know what I'm doing. I know why I'm here. And she basically tells him to kiss her ass. Yep. And... Somehow she volunteers to lead Second Army because they don't have a leader. Do you think, like, I honestly don't know the answer to this question. I'm looking for a non-book reader perspective. Do you feel like she has earned that, this confidence that she has? Um, That's a tough question. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Uh, given what she overcame at the end of season one and kind of how things have started in season two. Okay. This episode is kind of the the blurring between book two and book three. And by the end of it, we are like fully into book three. Oh, okay. So this conversation and, and some things she says are, it's kind of like a mix. And some of it is from book two and some is kind of book three-ish stuff. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. So I feel like having watched the whole season now, I feel like they did a really good job of telling a cohesive story. But it makes me wonder if this was a mix of book two and three, how much of the books did they cut out? Like, I feel like there has to be so much more character development that I'm mm-hmm. not getting. And I want that. I mean, I love what I got. Mm-hmm. I do. But I want more. And so, like, you remember in last episode, or maybe it was, I don't know, it may have been the first episode, like, my prediction was that this season was going to be about finding the sea whip. And then they find the sea whip in episode two. Yeah, right. To, to be fair, the book goes that way too. Okay, they find and then the I thought, sea whip in like chapter five or something. It's it's very like, early on. Yeah, it's it's just I don't know what I don't know, but I know that there's a lot missing, and so like I feel that just because I already know if I if I had never read any of the books, if I hadn't talked to you, mm-hmm. I think I would have been satisfied. Oh, but your with, life would be everything. missing me. Absolutely. Well, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what I don't know, right? right yeah. So <laughs> you know, so you think it was a like it it felt like a it felt good, rushed. It felt rushed. Um it did feel rushed. Um and we'll talk about that a, a lot actually in this episode cuz some of this um I certainly did not expect to happen now, but I understand why it did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it did. It felt rushed. I wrote and down I, the weirdest note here. Okay. It just says parties with an apostrophe S. Yay. So a party owns a yay. I, I don't know what I was. <laughs> was I high? Um, like, what is happening there? The the queen decided, said they had to have a party because they announced the engagement. Yeah, I probably just meant to write party yay. But I don't know what's up with that apostrophe S. Interesting. And then there's a, a quick cut to... Our, um, I'm going to say our core people, 
okay. apart from like, I don't know, I guess the, the core B group. I don't, I don't know what to call them, but I feel like they're the core folks, right? It's Tamar and Zoya and uh, Nadia and Adric. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Um, are sitting and Mal, Mal sitting there with them too. Um, and so this is the first they're hearing that she's going to lead second army, right? Because Alina just made that decision spur of the moment. Right. And um, they're all talking about whether or not she should. And Zoya rightly says she's only been a Grisha for a year. She doesn't have military intelligence. But then Tamar is like, no, Grisha are born, not made. She's been a Grisha her entire life. And, like, I love how Tamar has, like, she's, like, 100% on Alina's side. Yes. And everything. And yes. I, I love it. Like, I think she may be my favorite character from, from this season. I love Maybe. that. I think that I'm gonna, is I, I may change that, but I, I love her. I, every scene I, I have seen her in, mm-hmm. up till mm-hmm. now and after now, I love her. Like, I've, I don't think I'm going to have a single bad thing to say about her for the whole season. I'm excited and, for you to meet Book, Tamar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so there, there's good stuff going on here um Nikolai doesn't want a party so he's arguing with his mom because he's of course thinking it could expose them to Kerrigan right mm-hmm. they're all hiding in the spinning wheel and yeah they, they shouldn't have a party yeah so um and then we cut to the darkest house on TV I did want to say after at the end of the conversation with Tamar Zarya does say, like, you know, I didn't write it down, but she says something about as long as Alina does a good job and, like, talks to us and, you know, yeah. like, it'll be good. Like, Zoya's not. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's not against it. Yeah. She, she's just not 100% on board, but she will follow Alina because not following Alina is yes, going to mark her as she's a traitor. Like better than the Darkling. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, we go back to Kierigan's house and we see Jinya is not dead. Yay. Nor is she unconscious. I mean, we knew she wasn't dead because they talked about it. Last, yeah, they talked about it. But she's awake, mm-hmm. but she's in a cage. They have expanded Bagra's cage, and now there's two cages. Yep. Bagra has a friend. Uh, Bagra has a friend. Yep. That's all I wrote about this is Jenny is awake. And then I, my notes go to Mal and Alina, so oh. I didn't know if you had anything else Did to say about that Did you not have any thoughts about her scarred up face? I don't, honestly. I mean... And, and it may just be because I've I've seen the rest of the season, but I feel I feel for her because she has believed her entire life that her worth is tied to her beauty. Yes. Okay. And now she doesn't have it. I was wondering. She perceives it that she doesn't have it. I will say. I think she's still beautiful. I was wondering if that like translated in the show. I I genuinely did not know if it did. It did, especially in this scene. Um, the way that she. She looked up at the guard so hopefully, and he rejected her, of course, and it, like, completely defeated and devastated her. Like, she curled in on herself. Um, and so you could see it, that that was kind of the thing. And, and comparing season one Jenya to this Jenya, I think it came across really well. Okay, that's good. Uh, uh, that guard that comes in calls her ruined. He says, Razrushaya. Mm-hmm. And I... I like that they included that, but then I don't like that they included or that they did not include later <laughs> any scene with her. I'm, 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 well, I'm trying to say they cut out one of my favorite lines from the book that, that, and Jenya says it later, and it sort of spawned from this whole ruined comment. 
Uh, oh, okay. So, eh, that sucks. Well, we'll have to talk about it when we read the books. Yeah, we will. Um, cut to a Mal and Alina scene. Mal is not on board with Alina leading Second Army. Oh, right. All I wrote down about this scene was save Ravka. And I was like, what does that mean? What were you trying to say, Caitlin? <laughs> so <laughs> thank you for reminding me. Yeah. No, this scene actually was interesting to me. I like if if this scene existed solely by itself, I would love it because because of the way Mal is. He's he's like, you came here for Ravka. I came here for you. Right. You are my flag. You are my nation. And he calls Ravka a swamp. Um, I love it because of my hopeless romanticness. Right. Right. The, yes. The, the, the scene of the two of them together. And he's, you know, pledging his love to her. And she's like, I know what I'm doing. And I love you. And I love Ravka. And I want to fix it. So I just need you to believe in me. Like, it's great. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time or maybe I've just whitewashed it in my head. But this feels like the first time that I've seen Mal not care about Ravka? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's particularly cared before. Okay. Like, he it's just he lives there, and he was forced into the army, as everyone was. So, I think I think that's that, you know? Like, I don't think he has, he cares really one way or the other. They're also kind of yeah. stuck in Ravka because of the fold. That's true. And maybe, maybe this is just something that the, the writers didn't do well, because... They have made it seem that he is very much in lockstep with Alina mm. up until now. And now he's showing a difference of opinion with her. And it seemingly came out of nowhere to me. Now, granted, it's been a while since I've seen season one. And so maybe I'm just remembering things that weren't there. Um, I don't know. I, would, I, I understand him to be there for Alina. And he mm-hmm. doesn't really care much about anything else. But I've read the books. And it's not that he doesn't care about anything else. Well, I don't know. See, that's another thing that's hard to say from the books because it's from Lena's point of view. So you don't really right. see Mal uh, talking to anybody else, but, like when Alina's not also there. Right. So, like, does he have friends? Does he care about these people? I'm genuinely kind of unsure. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um,. Great, great scene. Would love it in a vacuum. And then Vasily sets up. He's looking so threatening and creepy up in his little balcony. Dude, he's so creepy. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they recast him. I don't think this is the same actor from last season. Because, like, the actor last season just kind of had to stand there. I yeah, don't I, was think... like, I don't I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't think he, I don't think he spoke words. He just stood. Mm-hmm. Um, So... Hmm. I don't, I think this is a new person. I did not look it up though. So, you know. Um, And then Vlad, Vladim, is that his name? Yeah. Vladim is experimenting with Bagra's finger bones right in front of Bagra. Now that's just awful. I actually kind of like how they wrote this guy. I was going to say like this dude. That's not quite right. <laughs> but I enjoy the idea of like you don't, he's not there out of fear. Of the Darkling, you know? He is perfectly right. happy to have been let loose. Oh, yeah. He's like a crazy tide maker chick. Yes. He's the... He's the crazy fabricator. Like, yeah, yeah. Kerrigan is assembling uh, serial killers around him. Yeah. So. Then Kerrigan comes in, and what I love about this scene is that Jenya doesn't cower away from him. Mm. Like, you know, she cowered away from the guard 
but she stares him down. She doesn't stand up, but she sits up straighter and she stares Kerrigan down and she does not look away. And Kerrigan can't handle it. And so he has her taken away. Oh, interesting. I didn't think about it that way. I thought he was just, because in the previous episode, he said that he was going to, you know, use her as an example. And I thought he just had her taken away because of that. Like, go show everybody what happens. Maybe, maybe. No, I like like your interpretation better. Yeah, it it very much, because he looked away, and then he said, take her away. Right. And so I very much read it as he can't stand to look at what he did to her. Mm. And so he had her taken away. But of course, you know, Bagger stands up for Virginia, and and Kierigan's like, well, she's a traitor, so I have to make an example of her. Mm -hmm. So it's probably a combination of the two. I do like what Bagra says to him here. This is a really good scene for Bagra. Mm-hmm. Bagra has a lot of good stuff mm-hmm. in this season. Um, Kierigan, of course, is not having any of it. He tries to turn it back on her and says, everything I know I learned at your knee. Yep. There's a, a line that Bagra has that is sad. I don't remember exactly what she said, but she basically says, I can't believe I ever thought there was redemption for you. Right. Some, yes, I remember the line. Oh, not specifically, but yeah. And to me, that is such a heartbreaking line because, one, he's her son. Yeah. And, like, to have to recognize that your son is unredeemable has to be so hard. I mean, I know he's he's done terrible things. and Like, he cut off her finger last episode, right? But mm-hmm. he's still her son. She still loves him. But she has to say, there's no redemption for you. You know, she uses his name. She says, oh, Alexander, when is this going to stop? And um, I just, I I love watching these two interact. Like these two as a mother and son pair, perfect casting. I agree. They they work so well with each other. It's great. I also like in this scene, or I think it was a little bit in the previous scene with, um, the previous scene with Jenya and Begro. I feel like Pegger can't help but be a teacher because yes. she's always just like, you should do this, want to know about this, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of like that about her that, mm-hmm. I mean, she was kind of a crappy teacher, but it it's like, by which I mean, she would beat her students. Um, which they'd so gleefully reference later I, in this episode. <laughs> I know, that's so wild. But I feel like there's a part of me that thinks maybe if she had discovered that earlier, that she actually enjoyed teaching and was good at it. Other than obviously beating your students, she shouldn't do that. Then maybe her life just would have been different, you know? Yeah. Or or maybe if she'd had an opportunity because Grisha were hunted for a really long time there. So maybe it's not entirely that. Um, sorry, that reminds me, though, because of the, the second reason that what she said was so heartbreaking. Mm. I said there were a couple things and then I only said one. She's recognizing that she created this. She caused it. Right. right like, yeah. Ultimately, it's not her fault because Kerrigan is his own man and makes his own choices. And he does know the difference between right and wrong. But she's the one who started him on this path. Oh, yeah. She was not a good person. Let's make right. that clear for Absolutely. most of her life. She's done quite a bit of a, a turnaround mm-hmm. um, since she decided to help Alina escape last season. But recognizing that Kerrigan, not even the damage that he's doing to the country or to other people, 
but just recognizing the damage that Kerrigan is doing to himself. Like the man that he is, is because of the things that she taught him. Yeah. I think that's heartbreaking to recognize that even though she was able to change, he can't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything to add. Okay. Well, then we go to Ketterdam. Yay. Um, Kaz is just sitting at some desk. I guess it's the desk at the drug club now because that's his. Right. And we get the same flashback, part of the flashback that we got in episode one where little Kaz is watching the magician pull the pin out of his ear or something. Yes. Making it disappear. Yep. And then um, Inej comes in. He tells him that Jasper and Wylan are ready for whatever it is that Kaz's plan is. We don't know. And this is where he says the first intimate thing that I've I've heard him say mm-hmm. to Inej. He very clearly states that he's glad she'll be by his side during whatever this thing they're getting ready to do is. Right. And I wish that we had gotten to see Inej's face in reaction to that, but we didn't. Hmm. But I liked that we got a bit of emotion from him because we so rarely get emotion out of cats. Yes. You're not, well, I mean, sitting there stewing is emotion, but yes, you're right. We don't get him showing emotion to other people. We don't get him being vulnerable very often, which is actually going to be a complaint I have later in this episode, but I will save that. Okay. I do like this scene between them. I like when he says that. I am unsure if I like it here, but that's how oh. I feel about a lot of almost things. all of what happens with the crows. Okay. So are these, that's fine. Are the, the things that are, and I, you don't have to answer this if it's spoilery for the crows books and stuff, but mm-hmm. are the things that are happening now with Pekka, are, is that in Six of Crows or is that like prequel stuff? No, that's in Crooked Kingdom, the second Six of Crows book. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So it's weird. Yeah, I can understand that. And I don't, I suppose I don't mind it as an adaptation choice in a way. If they had, if they had done, I mean. hmm. Well, let me ask you this. I guess I wish they had done something different with the ending of Corollins. Yes. What would you have what story would you have had the crows follow in this season to keep them part of the story in order to get them hooked back up with Alina and Nikolai and everybody? Sounds like it wouldn't have been jumping to Crooked Kingdom. So, can, but maybe you can't answer that because I haven't read the books. So, I honestly would have preferred that they just make something completely new up like they did in season one. Okay. Or yeah, no, that makes sense. Or done something like this, sure. But since uh, you've watched the whole season now, so I can say, like, Pekka Rollins doesn't meet his ultimate end. Not in quite the same way he does in the book. Like, mm-hmm. he's still, which is one of the things that I don't like about this season, honestly, he's still, like, hatching plans in jail. And powerful, yeah. Yeah. Um. So that sucks. And so if if they were going to do... The Pekka Rollins thing here. I sp- I would have preferred it with less character development, at least oh. between Kaz and Inej. Okay. Because I don't feel 
And there's some things uh, when we get to the scene, the the ultimate show, show off, showdown, show off, mm-hmm. whatever. Show off. Between the two of them later, I'll, I'll mention some stuff that I don't like about that scene. I don't know. Just so many things don't feel earned yet between mm-hmm. a bunch of these characters. Or they were earned so well in the books that I can't wrap my head around anything else between them. Okay. I don't know. That makes sense. And there's, like, I don't know that this Kaz is the same as Book Kaz, because Book Kaz had, or at least we learn a lot more about his reasons for being who he is and being as ruthless as he is. See, and I would expect us to get that if they get the Six of Curse spinoff. Yeah, I can I can see that, that they're saving some of his flashbacks. Yeah. And that does make sense, but it also means, like, why are we getting his the ending of his story then if we still have more to learn? Right. You know, like, it it feels weird. That is perfectly fair. I do like Inej saying that Pekka will beg for his death. That was great. I d- yeah, I love that she just is immediately all in on getting giving pain to the, the man who killed his brother. Yeah, I also like, because they had Inej have a brother in the show which Mm -hmm. again she does not in the books i I think that puts another it adds to it right that she's like yeah she knows what it's like to have a brother and to lose a brother yeah exactly so and then we cut to jesper and wyland for a much lighter scene yes they are very cute here and i do love when jesper says i kind of like your face yep i wrote that down so that's Ah, so cute that's almost a line from the book like they were very much inspired by like an iconic moment between the two of them in the book there. And it's nice that they did that. Um, I have to ask in the fandom, is there a ship name for Jesper and Wyland? Wesper. Wesper. Yeah. I had to think about it so hard there. I was like, wait, yes, there is. But what is it? Yeah. I like it. I like it. Okay. Jesper is kind of amazing in this episode. So the next scene is they go up and like now all of our crows are in the same room, mm-hmm. except for Matthias, who's still in prison. Yes. Um, and Jesper and Kaz make up sort of, right? Like we talked about last episode, that big fight that they had. And you had asked me what kind of relationship I thought they had. And I said brotherly. And you were like, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. And in this scene... Like Jesper comes in and he does this whole speech and he's like, brothers fight. This is what you were going to say. And you were going to do blah, blah, blah. And I love it. And this totally validates what I said, at least from the show perspective. Now, I have no idea about the books, but from the show perspective, I was picking up what they were trying to put down, I think. Sure. I, you know, once again, acting, wonderful. Writing is good. What... We just (laughs) (laughs) love that you are struggling to talk about this because I haven't read the books. It's great. (laughs) It's not even that. It's just that I don't want to say I hate it because honestly, there's not really anything wrong with this scene, but I hate it. You know? Oh, I love it. (laughs) I understand why you would. They're doing a great job here. Who Cass has so many emotions tied up with his brother, his dead brother. Oh, okay. And yeah. for Jesper to just say, we're like brothers, and it it's not earned yet. I'm sorry. See, but, okay, it feels earned to me. It, uh, it absolutely does. But again, like yeah. I said last week, it feels like we were dropped in an established relationship, right? So they have history that I'm unaware of, but yeah. they've clearly been in this relationship for 
a long time. In in show world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, for me, it feels earned. I want to say that it's it's not the relationship itself that doesn't feel earned. It's Kaz admitting it, even secondhand there. That doesn't feel earned. Got it. It's okay. I feel like, especially since they haven't talked about like Jesper's trauma and problem and, and like his gambling addiction and uh, like they haven't gone through so much. There's so much more for them to go through. I guess I, you know that, what it is. Yeah. It's similar to in the first episode when I didn't like Nina calling um, Matthias the love of her life. Cause I was like, but they're not there yet. And it, <laughs> yeah. it's the same kind of thing. That. Yeah, it's the it's the character development that they had to cut. Yeah, to fit everything. I mean, they fit like what three books into eight episodes is what it sounds like. It's like four books, parts. in a way, kind of. Well, parts I guess of this many books. I guess so, they like skipped all of Six of Crows and included parts of Crooked Kingdom, and then parts from the Lives of Saints too. So actually, four books. Yeah. So they cut a lot. Yeah, and there is a lot of character development that I cannot wait to get when we read the books. Um. But yeah. I, I still love the scene. I love, I love how Jesper came in and just like took control of the situation and said all of these things. Yes. And then Kaz just said, there's a cap on the tab, but yes to everything else. Right. Like he didn't have to be vulnerable. He just was very, he just acknowledged it mm-hmm. and everybody's happy again. Like that felt like a very Kaz thing to do based on the Kaz that I know. Right. I'm, I'm glad to know it works. I, For non-book readers, it yeah, works. yeah, I am glad to know. I just, I, I just don't feel it. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't feel like Kaz has confronted all of his issues around having a brother. You know, oh, he hasn't. That's part of so that's I, part of this this whole episode, really. Yeah. So I just don't, I don't see why he would not, why he would, well, it, it doesn't work for me. Okay. Um, and then Kaz goes through most of the plan. Uh huh. Um, and basically something that Wylan has whipped up that's going to mimic something else is being sprayed all over Pekka's territory. Yes. Um, that's all we know. And then I love it. They do their no mourners, no funerals toast and they all walk out and Wylan asks why they say no mourners funerals. I love it. That I loved. Everything about that was perfect. Um, and Inez says it's because they keep their expectations low. Yep. That was perfection. And then Nina punches gas. Also perfection. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't really if they had the choice, you know, or the chance? Right? <laughs> um, and then we get one of the best scenes in the episode. Oh? Alina practicing because she's not controlling the second amplifier. Right. Um, I, I love this scene. I do. I love that she is being open and, and honest with Nadia and Tamar. Mm-hmm. Tamar. Um, she talks about how she wants more. She wants to learn the cut. Mm-hmm. And Nadia immediately says, no, you don't want to lead with fear like Kerrigan does. And Tamar cuts in and says, but sometimes fear can help. And then she pulls out her two little axes and she's like, I love it when people fear my girls. And um, the, I thought that was great. The eye flirting between Tamar and Nadia in this scene is A+. Plus. Oh, it's, it is fantastic. I mean, it's they so started good. it. They started it earlier and we just haven't mentioned it. Yes. Um, I honestly missed most of that the first time through. I love the two of them so much. 
um, I love Tamar because she doesn't, she's not afraid of Alina's power Mm -hmm. at all. Yes. And she hears what Alina says and what Alina wants. And she's like, well, you know, I can't help you with the cut. That's some like big shot ethereality stuff. But what I can do is help you direct your power. Right. And she walks her through like actually channeling her power and and hitting the target. Right. Because Alina couldn't do that before. Yeah. And of course, Alina pictures Kerrigan in her head and that gets her to do the thing. But there's this shot of Alina's face right after she does it. And it is my favorite shot, I think, of the entire season. Oh. Because she just looks so powerful, Mm -hmm. yet vulnerable, yet strong. Like, it's just all these things. Like, I I don't know how she did it, like, acting, like, face acting, and, like, how they managed to get that shot so perfect. But I loved it because that is, that's the Alina that I want for Ravka. Right. I I love that she pictures her toxic ex and then can destroy a thing. You know, like that's <laughs> yeah. that's perfect. Yeah. And then there's some into the war room and we find out that David is here. Yay, David. I mean, clearly after last episode I still don't like David, but <laughs> you know that I do cuz I've seen the rest of the season. Yes. But I'm very excited that David did make it because it does give them information. Um, he did steal the journal, and so he gives uh, Morozova's journal to them. He does refuse to share information about where Kirigan is because, like, he says that's suicide. He tells them about the Nichivoya and what happened to Jinya. And, um, but, like, Nikolai and Tolia are like, we're not trusting this guy at all. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Alina asks Nadia for her opinion because Nadia is the one who's known David the longest. And even Nadia is like, I don't know. He was he was really Kerrigan kept him close. And so they take him to a holding cell and leave him shackled. You know, on one like on one hand, they are doing the smart thing, and I don't fault them for doing that. Like, absolutely, yes. Because you can lock somebody up comfortably. It doesn't mean you're throwing away the key and letting them rot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like, somebody could say the exact same thing about Alina. You know, Kerrigan kept her pretty close. I don't know. That's true, but they have seen her actions no, since it's then. True. It's true. And that's the only difference. And I think that's that's what's going to turn them towards David, too, is they, they see his actions and his heart, and they recognize. Yeah, again, I think they made the right call there, honestly. It makes sense. I just think it's funny what the deciding factor was. Um, Alina also mentions, maybe I can create soldiers of light. And that is an interesting yeah. line to include. It goes nowhere this season. <laughs> but it's interesting that they had her say that. Yeah. Mal tries to talk her out of it, and she seems to be like, okay. But then the very next scene, Alina and Tamar go to David in his holding cell to ask how Merzost works. Mm-hmm. And um, David doesn't want to tell her, obviously. And it's interesting because in the scene before this and in this scene, so Mal and David both talk about the cost of Merzost. And kind of very pointedly, like nobody really knows what the cost is, but there's a very high cost for it. And it's not written in the journal. We just know there's a cost. And like, look what it did to Kiergan and Jenya. And it's definitely um, an intentional line. Do you, having finished the season, do you think all this speculation about the cost has a good payoff? Um, only if we get another season. <laughs> yeah. 
Honestly, only if we get another season. Otherwise, no. Th- that's how I feel, too. I just wanted okay. to check. Yeah. Um. So and Mal talks about wanting to go hunt the firebird. But then when he's sort of looking into that, he discovers the story about the sword. Oh, right before that, though, oh. David does tell Alina that the bond between her oh, and yes, yes, would still exist. Which, like, we and knew. We knew, but they, Alina didn't. I mean, she kind of did, but she didn't, right? Just like she kind of knew he was alive, but yes. she didn't. She was lying to um, herself. Yeah. Um, and I, I figured out, that, you know, this is why she brought Tamar with her, to because Tamar's a heart render and can tell if he's lying or not. And yes. at the very least... Whether it's true or not, David believes it to be true, and so I did like that they they had they had her say that like mm-hmm. that they can't tell if people are lying, lying, but like they're not a truth detector; they're a lie detector. You, you know what I'm saying? Right? Yeah, yeah. I I'm on a podcast, and I'm so eloquent. Oh, we all are. We all are. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Mal talks to Tolia about finding the blade so sharp it could cut shadow. Tolia says it's a myth, but Mal's like, dude, we just killed the sea whip. It was a, it was a myth, but we killed it. And so then Tolia's just suddenly on board. Okay. So, so here's a really good example of an adaptation choice I really like. I like that they bring this in, and I like that that's how they kind of bring the crows back. Like if they wanted to, to get everybody together for a big showdown, mm-hmm. th- I like this. You know, they give okay. them a heist to go do is perfect for them we get some nice little character moments there that are kind of separate from the way too early character development we're getting in Ketterdam Mm -hmm. it's great I love it good I love that you love something about this episode well I mean that's later but like the setting up of it here and yeah it also it sets up other things too uh Mm -hmm. that I can't talk about but they do that 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 is well done also so this is a really good adaptation choice Okay. Um, and then they go see Nikolai because, of course, Sturmhand is the one who would m- be most likely to know where it is since yes. apparently the one in the temple in Shuhan is a fake. Um, I thought that they were implying that the temple was not in Shuhan, but the sword was. Like, the real sword should still be somewhere in Shuhan. It doesn't matter. Geography oh. doesn't matter. Move on. Right. Yeah, the, the geography in this place, I have no... It's not in my head, so... Yes. Um, and this is where... Nikolai's like, well, you know what? Our friend the crows might be the best way to get it. Yeah. I'm like, that's fantastic. I like it. Yeah, that works really well for me. Um, Although they are a little busy at this particular moment, but in general. Right. (laughs) So we, you know, we cut immediately to Nina throwing Kaz at Pekka's feet. Yes. God, I hate Pekka. That's my note. God, I hate Pekka. Uh, The actor does a really good job, though. Oh, he absolutely. I love the actor. Like, I want to go watch all the other things that he's done. But I hate this character. I hate him. Yeah, uh, agreed. He's no redeeming qualities. Just a fucking asshole. Yep. Um, Then we see Inej spraying her stuff at the harbor. She hears a baby crying and finds women and children locked in a room on this ship. So it didn't occur to me the first time I watched this. But the second time when I saw those women, I thought... I kind of thought that maybe that was also some foreshadowing. I can't say anything else, but okay, it would be interesting if they did somehow bring that back together and bring Pekka into that. I think that would be that would be an interesting choice. I, I would like to see if they interesting. did that. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and then we get to see Pekka beat the shit out of Kaz. Yeah. 
everyone does not like. Yeah, I guess when I say everybody should take the opportunity to punch Kaz, I meant only people who are generally kind of better than him. Right. <laughs> not Pekka, who is worse. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, people have started breaking out with what looks like pox. Yes. And we get another Kaz flashback. Oh, I will um, say, sorry, I just want to say the, the punching scene and there. I do love that editing transition from the punch to the face to the spitting dice thingy. That was mm-hmm. really well done. Kudos mm-hmm. to the editor. Okay. Uh, flashback to Kaz. Uh, no, sorry. Wrong flashback. There's a, I have flashbacks so many times in my notes right now. Uh, this flashback is when the sirens have gone off for Firepox. Yes. And it's clear Jordy is very, very sick. Yeah. And like we see Kaz has some of the pox too, but he's not as sick. Um, oh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, it's on him too. And then someone comes in and tells Pekka where the pox started. And there's this whole thing where Kaz stands up and he's like, it's only going to be your establishments. Very clear where the contagion started. And I like that Kaz is a, he's able to stand up and be that bold and confident right after that beat down. Like, you know, he's hurting. He's got some broken ribs. His nose is probably broke and he's still standing up to Pekka, literally. I think that that, or I like to interpret that as them showing how a person can use being in chronic pain to their advantage. Because Kaz is always in pain. That's true. That is true. Um, I do hope that we get that story one day. Because I don't know why. Oh, it's not, It. I actually, I don't mind spoiling this because it, it does. it's not anything. He just, okay. he was on a job and he jumped off a roof or something and broke his leg and it healed bad. Oh, that's boring. It is, but I also, I like that it wasn't a part of his like trauma. It was just something that happened to him. That happened to him. Okay. Yeah. Um, then we get a flashback to Kaz and our crows. Like, so this is a recent flashback. Right. And um, we find out Nina had told him about Pekka and Kaz had come up with the firepox plan. Mm-hmm. And, um... It's funny, the first time through, like I had told you last week that I never believed that Nina would betray him. Right. And watching this episode, I never looked at it as if Nina was betraying him. Like, I know that's how they set it up. That's how they wanted you to think Mm -hmm. because of the punch and um, the way she brought him in. And they put this flashback later in the episode. Mm -hmm. They wanted us to believe that Nina had genuinely betrayed him. But like... I didn't believe it for one second. Like, that writing did not work. Yeah, that makes sense. It is. I get why they did it, I guess. Like, even if you don't, if you don't believe it, I don't know. It, it's part of the reveal. I don't know. It doesn't bother me that nobody would believe it. Mm. If that makes okay. sense. Yeah. I, so the scene between Kaz and Pekka, where Kaz basically cows him down into a begging oh, yeah. man on his knees. Um, this is another perfect example of something that they did perfectly, but wrong. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Is it in the wrong place? Or Well, obviously that. But also, Kaz would never, ever talk about his brother in front of all these people. He would never be this vulnerable with all these people. The Kaz and Pekka stuff here is great. What the fuck are all these other people doing here? What are He would never talk about this in front of Nina. He barely knows her. He would, he would never say anything to Jesper. Like, or in front of Pekka's men, even, yeah. or like the strangers at the bar, right? Yeah, like this scene in the book, it's Kaz and Pekka and Inej, and that's it. Oh, yeah, okay. And Inej isn't even there for it. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I hate that. I did. I do remember thinking that it's odd that Kaz is being this vulnerable. Yeah. In this room. But grief and rage make people do strange things. And so it worked for me, even though I did have some like whispers in my head saying this probably isn't quite right. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, I don't. It's it. I guess even if they get their Six of Crows spinoff, what are they going to do with Kaz now? What is he still hiding from people? What is there still to explore? Not much. Like after he just laid all of his shit on the table in front of 50 people. Yeah. I don't. Again, the the writing of the actual dialogue, fabulous. And the uh-huh. acting, so good. Uh-huh. Why are all these other people there? Yeah. I will say I was not expecting the whole we have Albie thing. Mm. I probably should have been, but I wasn't. And then for Kaz to say they buried him. Did you believe him? I did. Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't think Kaz would do this, but I don't, I don't understand this part of his plan. And I was, it was very strange. Like it was, it was weird. Um, but I do love that he he got Pekka on his knees. Yeah, I I like that too. And it, it's interesting because in the book, sort of not too much before this scene, you you see a scene between Kaz and a young girl where he scares the shit out of her in a really deranged way, and it really it really makes you believe that he would do it, that he would bury a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the way he was at the end of the last episode. Right. When he was talking about suffering and stuff and he looked deranged there. He looked deranged in this episode, too. Honestly. Yeah. Um, Especially as he's standing over Pekka and there's blood all over his face and he is still like staring his nose down his nose at Pekka. Yeah. Like it's just it was believable because this is not the calm, rational Kaz that we've come to know. This is a Kaz operating purely out of emotion that emotion is rage Mm -hmm. but it's still emotion right and so it it was believable I didn't like it and so I have to say when I found out how this played out I was relieved and then realized how clever Kaz really is and I I know Kaz is clever so I don't know why I was surprised by it yeah like I even freaking compared him to Sherlock Holmes this season right yeah but pulling out the toy was so good and oh absolutely yeah um, it was great. I get, like, they did such a good job on the scene, but also such a bad job on the scene. Like, uh, I feel so many ways about it. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to the spinning wheel. Zoya and Tolia are going to Ketterdam to get the crows and the blade. Love it. Please give me a buddy cop spinoff of Zoya and Tolia just pissing each other off for 10 right. episodes. I, oh, I love that he the kept- shit out of that. Yeah, I love that he kept trying to tell her about the poetry yeah. because he realized that it irritated her. So he did it some more. <laughs> it's great. It's so good. Um, and then Mal's the only one left in the room. And then he gets punched and taken away for being a deserter from First Army. Mm-hmm. I wrote down, Mal is kidnapped. Don't worry, though. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm pretty sure I wrote down, fuck Vasily. Because who else would have made that happen? Yeah, of course. Uh, my next note is just the queen's seamstress is rubbish. Mine is about Vasily and Alina. I didn't even mention the seamstress. Okay. Vasily comes in to talk to Alina. And what an asshole. 
<laughs> That's my note. Yeah, he's so creepy. I don't even know what he's trying to gain here, honestly. I don't, I don't understand this um, other than he wants to take something away from his brother, maybe. But he's legitimately proposing an alliance here. He says only I can make you a queen. Mm-hmm. And unless he's just trying to get her to prove that she's not loyal to Nikolai, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know his motivation. I don't know anything about why the scene is here other than to make me hate him and like Nikolai more. Right. This is why I cut. Well, so in the book, like they've cut out all of the political finagling and stuff that happens between Nikolai and Alina and Vasily in the books. In the Mm. books, Nikolai talks about how he wants to be king and how his marriage to Alina, that's the way to do that. And Vasily is also, you know, eventually realizes his brother's plan. So also starts to try to court, I guess, Alina. Okay. Yeah, it didn't it didn't work for me. All it did is make me call him an asshole. Like all of my notes are fuck Vasily, what an asshole. Bye-bye Vasily. <laughs> right? Yep. <laughs> like he's hardly here. He blink and you'll miss him. So why why? Why? That's all. They had to have somebody like, to kill in the attack later. Yeah. I do like that Alina very explicitly says I don't want to be queen. Like that's not what I'm here for. Yeah. Um, so that's nice, but yeah, every, everything, I'll just, just fuck Vasily. I don't mind that they've kind of made Vasily like 10 times creepier than he was in the book. Like in the book, he was just kind of useless, but he wasn't creepy. Um, at least I don't remember him being creepy. Uh, I don't mind this. It just cause he's here so short of a time. So it's nice that he sort of comes in, makes a creepy impact and then is gone. Yeah. And then we cut to the cemetery. And Pekka digging. Yep, they find a fresh grave. Pekka starts digging with his hands. Like, he is desperate to find his child, which is a nice character moment for him, right? That we we find there is something that he desperately loves and will do anything for. I actually, um, that makes me hate him even more, but sure. Because he he has a child that he loves and can still do all these terrible things? Yeah, like there was a yeah. woman locked up on one of his ships with a baby. You know, yeah, like, that's you, true. maybe she feels the same fucking way about her kid, you asshole. Yeah. But then the police come and arrest him for the murders. Good, good. And his driver pulls up with his carriage and, hey, Albie gets out seeing his father be arrested. Yeah. Like, this is where I wrote down Kaz is clever because this is the moment where all of the pieces clicked and you realize Kaz is not quite the deranged madman that they were trying to make him appear to be. Yeah. I almost so, feel sad that they've ruined that moment in the book for you which Aww. which is silly because you know this is a tv show podcast yeah so you get it here yeah but <laughs> i don't know i just think the the plan is a lot more like what the fuck is gonna happen in the books mm. so and now i know the end result yeah i do remember i had texted you i was like wait kaz wins against pekka in episode four what is happening yeah um because it just feels rushed it feels very early it doesn't quite feel earned yeah um but your response was well they needed to make sure they had time for everybody to be together and that of course made perfect sense for what's coming with the rest of the season but for a crow story it did feel very rushed Mm -hmm. Um, i did not expect the pekka part to end here i mean even if they weren't planning to bring them all together there's only so much hiding out in the graveyard they could write before they're just hiding out in the graveyard 
Well, yeah, but then they could have written more scenes like the next one. <laughs> because the next one is amazing. That's just for Wyland, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I like it too. I love how confident Jesper is in his flirting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he's just he's just going for it. Like he's just not holding back. Wyland is super uncomfortable. But then Wyland kind of, you know, I'm not, I want to use the phrase man's up, but that's not a great phrase. So I'm going to say he just he stands up and he owns himself, right? And then tells him why he left him the night that they had their fling, right? Because remember, Jesper said, well, when I woke up in the morning, you were gone. So here, Wylan is like, I thought that if I did, that you would have left, that the type of person you were, you didn't want anything. And so I was just cutting my losses, blah, blah, blah. And I love that Jesper acknowledges that back then he might have left first. He didn't, he didn't know. But now... He knows Wylan and he likes his face and it's so great. And then, and then Wylan, Wylan goes in for the kiss and it's amazing and it's amazing. And I squeed and I texted you and mm-hmm. I was so happy. So, so happy. I also really love the scene. Honestly, no notes. They're great. It's amazing. It's, I think Jesper and Wylan just make my heart happy, especially yeah. in the middle of all of this craziness and chaos that we have on both sides of the story, right? Like, uh, yeah, these, great. These, these are my like soul soothing scenes and I love them. I really like like in the, in the books, Wylan is very much kind of like surprisingly brave and ruthless. I, I don't know how oh, to this Wylan could never be that. Oh, oh no, no. He is, though, because you just said like event, he just stands up and says what he has to say. And that's exactly Wylan. You think that okay. he's going to be. Hmm. Okay, so like one of my favorite Wyland lines in the book is him and Jesper are trying to get past some guards, but the guards are all asleep. And so Jesper's like, uh, I don't feel I, I don't feel good about killing people in their sleep. And Wyland just looks at him and says, We could wake them up. <laughs> and I feel wow. like they've they've nailed that spirit in Wyland. Okay. You know, you're being really free with your information about the books today. I'm sorry, do you have any idea what happens in Six of Crows? No, exactly. I don't. <laughs> I'm not spoiling anything plot. It's just okay. little bits. All right, all right. Where do you think these guards are that they're trying to get past? Oh, I have no fucking clue. Exactly. Even if you'd guessed, you would have been wrong. Don't worry. Okay. All right. Um, and then we go to a scene that made me text you fuck Kaz. Yes, you did. But I I don't know, this scene makes total sense to me. Well, kind of. It makes a little more sense. Since I I didn't notice the first time, and I don't know why, but, like, the scene at the beginning where he was intimate with her, right? Like, he was like, I'm really glad you're going to be by my side. Right, yeah. And then we have this scene, like, to bookend it, right? He is pissed that Inej was not there uh, when he confronted Pekka. And it's because she was helping those women and children get out of the boat. And she still made sure her part got done. But he doesn't care. He doesn't care what she was doing. He's just like, I can't count on you. So here's your fucking freedom. Now get out. And I was so pissed. That's that's so interesting because you talk about being a hopeless romantic. When like, A, it's clear he's upset because he didn't know if she was safe. And B, I know. it's clear that he's being mean because she has her freedom and she can leave guilt-free now. I know, but 
And you're still angry at him. I'm still angry at him. Yes. He's trying to do the good thing in a bad way, obviously. Yes. But he's still just like, here's your freedom. Fuck off. Like, which is what she wants or what she's always said that she wanted. Right. But he could give her her freedom without kicking her out of the crows. Like, they're a family and they're a found family. And he just kicked her out because she was helping someone and didn't do exactly what he wanted. Like, I can't. I, I, that just makes me angry. I don't like, I, mm. he kicked her out so that she could leave guilt free. Everything else is a smokescreen. Like, I'm sure he was actually upset. But again, that's just smokescreen. It, it did not come across that way. Maybe it's because we've lost a lot of character development. Maybe. But it did, like, yeah, no, this scene just makes me. I will say, um, so we have an email from a listener uh, named Lee. No, pronouns included and that's a very non-gendered name so i'm unsure so i apologize if i mess that up um so they say they 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 said a lot in this email i'm not gonna read the whole thing uh but thank you for the email it is very nice and you do at the end apologize for the length and the word vomit i loved reading the email i'm just not gonna subject everyone to it so they say about inej choosing to help the other people that they think they did it to try to give Inej's own trauma and need for revenge equal billing, but the show hasn't set that up at all, and they really neglected her backstory this season. And that is extremely true and extremely bad, mostly for scenes later. But here also, like, do you have any, when you see scenes between Kaz and Inej, does it enter your mind at all? that she was forced into a brothel when she was 14 and has been forced to have sex with lots of men that she did not want to. No. And that that maybe has caused her some problems. I'm, I mean, when you say that, I'm sure, yes, but they have not They have not done that, that at all. No, they've kind of ignored it, haven't they? Yeah. Like, yeah. obviously, like, they've leaned into the fact that she's indentured and she's indentured to a brothel owner. Mm-hmm. But they treat it much more as if she's security more than anything. Like, she does jobs and she kills people. Not Well, she doesn't kill people. Well, she didn't. She does now. But that that's what they lean in with her. And so we haven't gotten really anything else. Yeah. I think they mentioned it once in season one. They, they, have, it, they have her, like, be very... The actress plays it very seriously. Because you, when mm-hmm. she talks about she can't go back there and all those sorts of things, like, you can see it in her. But the show really has so far ignored it and ignored mm-hmm. all of Inez's past trauma and her PTSD. And we oh, get yeah. a lot of Kaz's trauma and PTSD this season. And it's mm-hmm. just kind of, it feels like they forgot about her. Maybe in season, maybe they're planning in season three to explore Jesper and Inez's trauma. Maybe. You think Jesper has trauma? Well, you said something that sounded like he did. He has not played his character as if he does. Okay. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying what. Yeah. Anyways. So this is going to come up again later uh, that I'm going to talk about the lack of Inez's trauma and the nuance of their relationship in this season. But just wanted to bring up that very nice email from Lee. Thank you for the email. I love it when we get emails, even though I'm not allowed to read them. She did. She did say hello to you, too. But it was like in brackets with a question mark. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I don't get to read your email until 
I don't know when I'll get to read it. Depends on how much you talked about. But actually, her email day, you probably or, or at least email you probably could read. Doesn't matter. Um. Then we cut to Alina and Nikolai having a lovely conversation. So you know how you said you really liked that scene earlier with uh, Alina and Mal? Yeah. So the thing is, when Nikolai comes in and Alina sees him in the mirror and smiles, I think that smile to him has way more chemistry than that whole scene with Mal. Oh. So that's why I was just like, eh. Like, okay. <laughs> maybe they cast Nikolai. I was going to say too good, but that's not quite right. I don't know. I just don't feel the the Alina and Mal chemistry. Yeah. No, I mean, we, we've talked about this almost every episode and it, it does. It varies for me. Um, and it's definitely going to change by the end of the season. But I I think I liked that previous scene because Alina had all of the passion and the chemistry. Mm. Right. That's what I liked. OK. Um, Mal himself didn't really have much to do with that scene. That was all Alina. So. Seeing Alina and Nikolai here together, like, I do think, I think they're fantastic together. Right. Whether they're romantically involved or not, or if they're just friends, I like them. And I like the scene. I like that Nikolai trusts her enough to be just Nikolai. Yeah, so do I. Um, He's not hiding anything from her. And I don't know that he's ever been able to do that before. So I, I also how my I, my opinions on Nikolai have changed a lot since I've watched the entire season because I remember texting you at some point through I don't even remember what episode where I was like I'm gonna be mad if this thing happens and now I'm, I'm like yeah. it might be okay. <laughs> Do you how so okay you've seen the whole season now and things are kind of left up in the air. Mm-hmm. Do you have an opinion on how you want things to turn out romantically? With Alina in particular. Like, obviously, we want we want Wesper, and we want Matthias and Nina yeah, and all that. But, like, specifically with Alina here. I, oh, significant, okay, I'm going to say this now, and then we're going to have to talk about my, my previous feelings when we get to that episode where yes. I was very angry. But I do prefer Nikolai for her. Okay. That's all I got. Okay. Um, this small, intimate affair is not a small party. Oh, I just wanted to say Nikolai admits to her that he knows that oh. his father wasn't the king. Yep. That he's an illegitimate kid. Yep. Just an interesting little tidbit in his story. And, uh, yeah. And then we go into the party. That is a very, very large party because Vasily cannot, his pride is too big. He's he's too big for his britches, as we would say <laughs> here in the South. Um, and so he's invited all of his gambler and freeloader friends and, like, all these random people are there. So, of course... Kerrigan has found them. Before his... Kerrigan finds them, I just want to mention Tamar did not change for the party, and I love that for her. Oh, yeah. Um, I also didn't make a note of this, but uh, Mal's not there, and yep. Alina keeps asking, like, why isn't he here? Where is he? And nobody seems to know where he is. It's nice that she noticed. Yeah. <laughs> it is, absolutely. Um, and then the, the shadow monsters come, and they rip Vasily apart, which... I love. Thank God. Yeah. Let's yes, just get rid of him quickly. Um, Alina's power doesn't do anything to the shadow monster, but they do figure out that the shadow monster has to be solid to touch people. And right. so um, Nadia and her brother, Adric, like create wind or direct the air or whatever to like kind of disperse it so it can't go solid. So they have time to get away. Yes. Um, which I think is really, really cool. I do love any time Nettie and Adric get to work together. That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. I love 
both of them no notes okay um so the four of them alina tamar adric and nadia run away and try to find a place to regroup regroup so they can try to start planning a counterattack. but alina sees kirigan yes uh it freaks her the fuck out as it should she tries to hit him with her light, but he disappears and then reappears next to her because he's not actually there. He's just in her head, um, but also somehow manages to touch her. And he does this whole thing that he thinks is romantic and tries to get her to stop her nonsense and join him. And she's like, fuck you. And he's like, I'll be back for you. So and then the, Adric finds her. Yeah. This scene and the next scene with the Darkling are what are what I wanted from him this season and all the like unhinged stuff that we see of him like throwing a temper tantrum. I hate, well not hate, hate's a strong word, but I just don't think it works for him and like what makes him actually scary. Mm-hmm. But these scenes are great and feel more like season one Darkling. Yeah, no, absolutely. He has several scenes this season that are like that, but mm-hmm. there are several of the other guy too. Yeah. But you know what? The cost of Merzo's don't make you have a, like, he's a Jekyll and Hyde dude. Maybe. I just think this Darkling is more of a, like, he seems more of a threat, whilst yeah. the other one seems like a child having a temper tantrum. That's fair. Um, Bagra gets herself and Jenya out of the cages. She does the cut. Um, at She, ooh, I did not notice this the first time. Mm-hmm. Oh, she breaks her, her hand. hand. She yeah. breaks her hand to get out of the stocks yeah. thing. And then is like, goes to to Jenyan is like heal it fix it now and I'm like yeah that probably hurts like a son of a bitch but um, it's so smart if you have a healer right there like yeah makes perfect yeah. sense um, and I mean the pain couldn't be worse than having Kirigan cut her finger off so yeah. I get it so she does the cut get to cut the iron bars to get them out Jenya stops and looks at her reflection and she's so upset that she just destroys everything in that room all the things Ladine was working on all the potions the the bone dust like all of it she just destroys all of it and yeah. then they leave um and then we cut back to the spinning wheel and the Nietzsche Voya have found them and they get Adric Alina mm-hmm. oh, stops yes. the Nietzsche Voya um but Adric is very very injured his arm yeah um but then Kerrigan projects himself there and it's not just to Alina. They can all see him or maybe it's really him. I'm not sure. I assume I guess, it's really him. I guess it is really him at that point. This is the scene that tricked me. It tricked you. Okay. Yes. Because for a minute here, I thought maybe we were going to get the number one scene from the book that I wanted to see on screen. Oh. Alas, we did not. Is it not at all in the season? It's not at all. Oh, bummer. You'll have to tell me about it when we read the book. Yeah. I will. I talked about it a lot with Rachel on one of our (laughs) spoiler episodes. Like I talked about it a lot and how excited I was to see it this season. And then, no, you didn't get it. I'm sorry. Oh, well. The crazy thing about this scene for me Mm. is that Kerrigan legitimately still believes that they can be together and roll side by side. He still believes that Alina might come to him. And it's how. Yeah, that's that's it. Why wouldn't he believe that, though? Why wouldn't he believe that he could convince her? Because she's fighting him every step of the way. Yeah, but light calls to light. Like, she's literally leading an army now specifically to go fight him. Well, he doesn't know that. That's fair. But yeah, no, like, she just stood there a minute ago and let him touch her. She was kind of frozen. I don't know that let him is the right word. Mm. But, um, okay. Here, she rebukes him and he can't handle it. 
And so he decides to send the Nichivoya after all of them. Like, he just nods and is like, all right, she said no, go. <clears throat> um, but she is able to create a, sh- a shield of light, essentially, and stop the Nichivoya long enough for the others to get out. And yeah. then, like, something happens between, like, the Nichivoya trying to get through plus her power combined. Like, they collide, and then it eventually kind of explodes, and it knocks her and Kerrigan back. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. And then Nadia comes and gets Alina up, and they, she gets out, and that's the end of the episode. Yep. <laughs> it's kind of anticlimactic, honestly. It's well, kind of what? Anticlimactic. Oh, and no, it absolutely is. It's such a weird place to leave it, which is why I needed to go to the next episode. I was like, like I need something to happen. Um, and I really liked episode five, although I don't think you did. I genuinely, I don't remember the specifics about what happens in episode five. It's the episode where Bagger just tells Alina a lot of things. Oh. So I, I liked it. But this episode, I mean, I liked this episode, too, as a non-book reader. I think it works. I think I think things are rushed. I am still enjoying Kaz's story more than I'm enjoying Alina's story. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, it feels like Kaz's story is over. So what what is happening next? Right. That's a great question. I mean, I, I know what's happening next in the season because they're going to like next, search for this. If we're getting a... Yeah. Uh, like, a, if we get more, if we get a Six of Crows spinoff, et cetera, what yeah. is happening with cats? Yeah. No, it feels, it, it felt very rushed. Overall, I liked the episode. I liked parts of it. I, I could tell. And you, you liked parts of it if they were in a vacuum, but hated where they put them. Yes. And I liked, I liked everything with Nikolai. That was all great. Mm-hmm. That's true of a lot of things, though. There was a nice bit of foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. Um, with Nikolai and Mal when they go to ask him about the the blade that right. I didn't pick up on as foreshadowing the first time through, obviously. But Nikolai says, now that sounds like something Sturmhund would say. Oh, okay. The second time through, that feels like foreshadowing. I guess. I guess I can see that. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have an MVP for this episode? I mean, I guess it's got to be Kaz getting his revenge. Okay. So like fake firepox. Fake Firefox or like fake kidnapping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fake kidnapping. That's good too. What about you? Um, mine has nothing to do with the plot or anything. It's just something that I loved exceptionally. And that's going to be Tamar's girls, her axes. Oh, I just, I really liked that scene where she pulled them out and she did the little twirly thing. And she's like, you know, people back up when I bring out the girls. I don't know exactly what she said, but it was. Yeah. Whatever like it was. Yeah. That, um, she is great. That scene her. is great. I am upset. Okay, I'm going to say this one thing, but it, like we get so much smooching between like Alina and Mal and J- uh, Jesper and Wylan. I don't think we ever get to see Tamar and Nadia smooch. I want I want oh. some smooches. Yeah. Maybe they're saving it, but, you know, they didn't save anything else. They shoved right. it all in. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, it, it just it did. Like, honestly, I want to read the book so much just so that I can get more. More character development, more emotions, more motivation. I'm I'm really excited for you to get to like chapter two in Siege and Storm and then be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I'm going to be like, yeah, you got to just set the show aside. <laughs> That'll be interesting, actually, to talk to do the books where you'll have like the show knowledge and you'll have to be trying to separate that out as opposed <laughs> to me watching the show, trying to separate out the book knowledge. Yeah. 
That it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Which I fail at mostly. Yeah, that's okay. We still have fun talking about it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I have no complaints about Nikolai, Wylan, and Jesper. I guess I have no complaints about Nina, but she didn't have much this episode. Other than the no smooching, I don't have any complaints about Tamar and Nadia. I do wish that we got more Tolia. Like in this episode or in general for this season? Both. Yeah. I like I like a good ensemble cast, so I like having so many good characters, but it does suck that we get less of them, that means. Yeah. Because like, I want to know how they sold the story to get both Zoya and Tolia to be the ones who who are going to talk to the crows like like how they how did that happen yeah Yeah, like i want to know that because it's just it had already been decided when they came right like when we got to that scene and so we didn't get to see any of that um that would have been nice i would have liked okay and this is something that i had not planned to talk about until the final episode but apparently i'm going to talk about it now but like my very favorite reshaverse ship well, my second favorite. Well, tied for well, whatever. One of my favorites. We get nothing of this season. We get one tiny, tiny little crumb, and that's it. And it's the tiniest, the tiniest of crumbs. I hate that. You know, if you were gonna shove everything else in, you could have had them look at each other one time. <sighs> that's all. That's my complaint. I have no fucking idea who you're talking about. So Wonderful. That's be interesting. Super interesting. Okay. I cannot wait to keep talking about this show with you. We've got four more episodes. Yeah. Four uh, more episodes. Oh, yeah. We're half done. Weird. We are halfway through. I don't know why I kept thinking that there were six more episodes, even though I know that there was only eight total. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. You can tweet at us at EnterTheFoldPod. You can email us at EnterTheFoldPod at gmail.com. And remember, Mandy has nothing to do with those. So send us whatever you want. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me on Twitter at InferiorCaitlin or on Instagram at InferiorCateReads. And I am Mandy Kay, and you can find me over on the Fediverse. I am at Mandy Kay at Mastodon.social. And remember, I love it when you quote me. That actually reminds me of one of my favorite things, like exchanges that happened in this episode. And I know we're supposed to be done, and you can cut this out if you want to, but (laughs) Alina calls him she's like you're gonna be so insufferable now and he's like i'm already insufferable yeah that's love it it's so great it's so good okay i'm done peace out bye